Confidence is the belief in yourself that you'll be okay no matter what. That's what confidence is. So underneath that, let's you know prep you up with all the tools and all the, the practices and all these things that you can do so that you'll be like, hey, I totally got this. Hey, ladies, and welcome back to Perspective and back to reality for me. I am officially off vacation now, back to work and just, I guess, regular real life. So I know it's a good, it must, it flies by. I I say it must because I haven't been on vacation in what feels like forever, but uh, I know how fast the weekends go. And I, well, I have had a vacation before. What so is I a know. vacation you speak of? <laughs> yeah, what is this mystical theory that I have no idea what you're talking about? Yeah, it was a good one. It didn't fly by as fast as I thought it would because, yes, they typically always go by so fast. But it was nice and, you know, my birthday got sprinkled in there. So I'm officially one year older. I was going to say you left your vacation one year older. <laughs> I did. That's a feat. <laughs> Uh, But no, we had great weather. We went to Blue Mountain, did a lot of celebrating. um, So it was it was good. It was good family time. And I wish I could be like, yeah, I'm really ready to go back and, you know, resume normal life. But I'm not. I don't want (laughs) to. Nobody in the history of vacations has ever said that. I know. I I asked Justin if he could win the lottery. This week, he said, if you could just win the lottery, that would be great because I'm I'm kind of done working. Like I feel like I've I've done enough in my life. Same and like ripe thirty-seven years. (laughs) (laughs) Hate to break it to you, but you got about thirty more to go. You have more years to go working than you've worked. So (laughs) get at it. Horrible, but. I know. Um, but I always I always hear the saying, money can't buy you happiness. And I just think like, yeah, I'd be a lot fucking yes, happier if I had money. Can. I really know that I would I am be. confident that money very easily could yeah. buy me <laughs> happiness. Absolutely. At Lots the very least, I'd be willing to test it for everyone. Same. Yeah. I'll take so, that one for the team. <laughs> if anyone wants to just toss a cool mill our way, we'll let you know how much happier we become <laughs> one mil but like 40 is better because i really know what i would I, i've already planned out what i would do with 40 Jess has a lot of plans she needs a lot of money she has i really don't want to work happy again. happiness aspirations yeah. hey i donate a lot of it i've allocated a lot to donations but basically at this point i need the like overall donation and then i'll donate further i am the largest bucket for donations to my personal like charity the charity of lauren or the charity of jess just do it the charity of perspective and call it a day right because you know (laughs) gotta say podcasting ain't paying the bills right now but we don't do it for that we do it because we love it and we have so much fun and we talk to the (laughs) coolest people and uh you know we hope that we bring lots of laughter and information to our listeners ears so we would like money but we don't do it for money I'm gonna say that's a very pc answer because i'm just sitting here like no we want to be we paid. want money 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, we love it and all, but we want money. <laughs> yeah, who doesn't though? Well, and you know, you guys have to keep it in mind. We're recording this Monday morning, so yeah. it's like the worst time of the week. That's probably why we're in all the feels of work sucks. But. A little, little bit of Monday blues happening right now. Not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Did we do have a great up? show. <laughs> On a positive note, we do have a really, really great show. And um, we did want to just kind of chat through the latest Netflix uh, and chill, even though there was no Netflix and chilling. It was just the Netflix part on my end. <laughs> and there was, was no chill, alone. like, in any sense of the word. This show has made us both feel very uncomfortable since we've seen it. Yeah. So we watched the Love is Blind After the Altar so their follow-up. I'm sure most of our listeners have also watched that. But we have our two cents that we wanted to offer on that because I'm sure you all give a fuck. Um, but it's always fun to <laughs> chat through it. Um, we love doing our, like, TV reviews. Yeah, so exactly. here's another one. We do, we do, you know, like to give our thoughts on the terrible shows that we watch. <laughs> on the most mundane of things. You know what, though? <laughs> it was. It was awful, and it was... It's, it's annoying because you can tell it was just for money, promotion, something. Obviously, everybody's going to eat that up because it's sort of like, ooh, where are they now? And we do want to yeah. know. And yeah. I follow a few of them on social media, but I don't Twins. like Lauren and Amber and Barnett um, because I, I don't really ever see anything. They don't really post often. Lauren the most. And obviously, her name's Lauren. Of course, I'm going to follow her. Um <laughs> But I don't follow Jessica and her name is Jessica. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Well, you know, like I just I was disappointed because it was clearly just an opportunity to try and pit all of the girls in some way against each other and just make a lot of the girls look crazy or, you know, just like putting women kind yeah. of in a bad light, I think. And yeah, they did not do that for the men by any means. Well, I mean, they kind of made Damien look like a douche by bringing... Well, Damien made Damien look like a douche. Also, he is, though. (laughs) I mean, so anyway, yeah, like, we watched it. It was very lackluster. It was grossly pathetic. And, um, you know, I just, I think that it could (laughs) have been just not done. Like, Netflix, it could have just not. Yeah, entirely avoided. And we all would have slept better that night because it was... Like I said, I felt so uncomfortable. I was cringing at everything. I was cringing at the entire show as hard as Jessica was cringing at Barnett and Amber's speeches. (laughs) Their video. The video he (laughs) did of the kissing every morning. Yeah, no, it was cringeworthy for sure. They did her real dirty, keeping the camera on her when she was making that terrible (laughs) face. That made the whole fucking show worth it because they kept showing it. I'm yeah, like, they just no. kept going back to her and she's just still yeah. cringing. I was like looking around my living room. I'm like, are we catching this? Even though it's just me. I'm like, are we? Does are everyone we? see what they're doing to her right now? <laughs> Why do yeah. they hate her? <laughs> I don't know. Because she's the villain. She has to be the villain. And then, yeah, the way Amber uh, kind of was on the defense, but also the attack um, towards the other girls when they were talking about. Oh, God, I can't even remember his name. Mark, that's it. This is how significant these people are to me. Um, And it just really nasty. And I just thought, like, again, you're just putting women in such a bad light. You're you're feeding into the stereotype that we've been given for years and years and years that we're catty, we're bitches, we're, you know, nasty. And 
I know it's meant for TV. Like, I'm under no illusion that this was, like, all just kept the camera rolling, didn't do any edits. Like, it was designed on purpose the way it was. But, yeah, it's just, it's kind of pathetic. But the thing that blew me away, even more than how dirty they did Jessica, was Barnett and Amber seemingly are broke. Yeah. Well, that was a little bit confusing because... I thought they got some money when you do Netflix. Yeah. Like I thought you'd get, you know, you're on the show. You at least are going to, if you don't get paid for being on that show, you're getting deals. You're getting, like, they have fo- so many followers. So you'd think that they'd, like, create some sort of opportunities to either have them created for them or for themselves. But uh, clearly they're, like, broke, broke. Yeah. Like, like roommate broke. <laughs> yeah. Like they went backwards. I mean, Barnett had a house and then, I don't know, I kind of think Amber drags him down in a way. Like, I mean, if they're happy and we obviously don't know any real details about their lives, all good. But he sold his house to pay off her debt. And I don't know how much he got for his house, but why are you still not living in a house? <laughs> like, yeah, she, well, according to yeah. her on the show, her debt was 20 grand. I feel like you probably made more than $20,000 when you sold your house. Unless he, oh, maybe it was more like, who knows? Really? Obviously we no don't one knows. know their, the inner workings of their finances, but like, yeah, I'm surprised they did go from that situation to now like living with a roommate. And the whole situation, I think you even missed this part because I remember asking you about it and you're like, what? Um, with her crying to his mom because she has like no money and no job and she wants a kid and the mom's just like some like fucking religious crazy bitch and she's like, you listen to your husband, even though I don't think she's so wrong because like you have a roommate and you have no money, so maybe you shouldn't be having a kid right now. But anyways, the whole thing was like, what is this? What is this conversation? Like, why are we watching this right now? It's so fucking weird. Yeah, I mean, I did miss that somehow. Maybe I fell asleep because the show was so riveting. That part just seems like very private. I don't know. That's a weird thing to put out there. Am I surprised? No, but the whole thing is it was like so personal that it's planned. Like, I would never I don't know. Maybe if I was a celeb would I? But I just don't think like that conversation of all the conversations would I want to be filmed? Anyways, she's like crying. But I, whatever. Who cares? The whole thing was so dumb. That's my my bottom takeaway. <laughs> There's no other way to say it. I hate yeah, it. it was awful and pathetic. And I think it should have just been a one and done. But I'm sure there will be many more follow ups. Um, well, I just think they could have done it better. Like I'm not they could opposed have done to having better. a follow up. Yeah. I, I was interested. I'm, I want to know where they're at. I'm excited to see all that, but, like, they did it, the way they did it was horrendous, bringing Francesca that was on the wrong show, like, I think that was one of (laughs) Gian, I don't even know her name, Damien's girlfriend's quotes, like, you're on the wrong Netflix show. The whole thing was just so scripted and embarrassing for every person involved. It's like, why would you let Netflix do this? Anyways, I hated it. Yeah, it truly did put every character in a bad light. That is my ultimate opinion. And yeah, South follow still on social media and sort of see where it, what happens here and there. Um, but they did do it like it seemed cheap, right? Like it just maybe it was rushed. I don't know if COVID played a part. Um, but yeah, it did seem just kind of like cheesy and super lackluster. I just couldn't feel that I was 
able to enjoy watching this or even the people that I, you know, was rooting for, maybe like Lauren and her husband. I don't know. The way they just did it was so cringeworthy for everyone. And I don't really believe they're all that cringeworthy in real life. I don't think that's possible. It also kind of didn't seem like they, any of them were super enthused to like be there or be back together. Um, Again, no idea if they're truly friends, some of them in real life or what, but the show seemed to be grasping the whole time. Like, yeah, trying maybe to... that was part of their contract and they didn't want to be there then. Yeah. Anyway, that's our two cents on the Netflix <laughs> we hated it, bottom line. show. And hopefully you didn't hate that recap. It was a little all over the place. But we just like to give our opinions as we stated. Um, more importantly, much, much, much more importantly, we have such a fantastic guest. Um, we're so glad that we were connected with Nora. Um, we are speaking with Nora Wendell today. She is one of the leading worldwide experts in teaching feminine magnetism. What is that, you ask? Well, you'll have to listen to the rest of the show. But we do get into talking a lot about connecting with your inner child, the importance of that. And if you haven't connected with your inner child or maybe you don't know how she does give some information on how to do so but why it's important is because if you haven't you may be sabotaging your own love life in all sorts of ways um which she also expands on so you're definitely going to want to give this a listen uh she has a really really interesting backstory to her own life um especially her journey with severe anxiety that actually put her on the path to where she is now and as a coach as um, a relationship expert and things like that so she really has some good advice and I feel like a lot of people could probably relate to some of her experiences and take away tips and ways to cope and and know that you're you're not alone and many people deal with crushing anxiety and um Nora is a, just has such an interesting story on how she got through that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And beyond anxiety, she also really helps with, you know, how you show up in a relationship, whether it's sabotaging or not, uh, your behavior. And I just wanted to point out, um, not only do we love our conversation with Nora, but <laughs> Lauren uh, was the next day we were having a conversation about something and Lauren Lauren said oh did you remember what Nora said and she's so you're really taking everything to to heart and Nora we thank you for that yes (laughs) you're you're sticking with us (laughs) I was trying to help you apply some of the learnings that we got from our show with Nora I appreciate to your real life and the fact of the matter is a lot of it is so true and I think as people were just so hesitant to like ever take responsibility in a lot of ways like we want to put all of our own issues on somebody else so we do talk about projection a lot there and since that conversation I have been actively trying to kind of like pull out scenarios like even my day-to-day being like okay this is me projecting and um this is you projecting Jess (laughs) yes that was projecting (laughs) um but you know what the other side of it is sometimes we just have bad days like there's there is that fact uh but and I think that you know Nora sums all this up in her book which is out already so you guys um make sure you pick one up because Lauren and I cannot wait to get ours um and you know the things that she covers I, I know you anyways you'll listen to the episode you'll feel very um 
like she touches on things that I think a lot of people will relate to and I know you'll want to get her book. Yeah, and like you said, Jess, the book is live and it can be purchased on Amazon. If you have a Kindle, it's on for 99 cents, the the Kindle edition. I don't know how much longer that's available, uh, but the paperback is also available too. The book is called Confident, Sexy, and Wildly Free, How to Own Your Worth, Ditch the Self-Doubt, and Not Give a Fuck What Anyone Thinks of You by Nora Wendell. So just search that and you'll find it and yeah we definitely can't wait to get ours and she's just fantastic you're gonna love her story and her information and everything about her so we are very very excited to welcome nora to the show welcome nora Mm, hi ladies and listeners (laughs) Yes, thank you so much for being here with us, Nora. We have a lot of things that we want to unpack with you today. Um, And I always get way too excited and start listing those things right off the top. So I'm going to start with saying, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do? Mm, Well, so I'm a little bit of an eclectic human being, as we all are. It's just that my Upbringing is a little bit different. So I am Swiss by passport, but I was born in Thailand and I grew up in Nepal and went to boarding school in India in my childhood. So I'm a little bit of a gypsy nomad girl already being, you know, uh, in my mid thirties now and having lived in everywhere from Brazil to Australia to England to South Africa. And now I live in Bali. And so this is part of my journey because I was um, exposed to so many cultures growing up and that really formed uh, the viewpoints have on aliveness and joy and compassion and my story really starts when I had a panic attack on the London underground when I was 24 in university there and I lost trust in myself I lost trust that I was going to be okay and then I had a nine-year chronic anxiety journey where I was in fear the whole time and so I really had to look at where where were the deep deep core issues that were that that i was just living in fear so much because i was not who i wanted to be and so i had to unravel that and then moving to bali five years ago i really did a lot of you know feminine embodiment work i did a lot of tantric practices and, and that's not sexuality necessarily it's aliveness for me and i can explain more about that i did leadership trainings transformation trainings and all of this And what I realized was I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel safe being me. And so now what I teach is what I call feminine magnetism. And it's really looking at self-worth, self-confidence, understanding your sensuality as a woman. And how can you blossom? Because when a woman truly feels safe, she blossoms. And this is the core of what I teach. And we all want to be loved for who we are. And so unraveling, why are we not getting the love that we truly desire? Wow, that's a lot. Um, I have to first definitely say super envious of you living in Bali. And I feel just based on what you just said, it sounds very like eat, pray, love kind of situation too. Um, But I love that you've been all over and had this opportunity to experience all these cultures and that you were able to like come to these realizations. I'm sorry that you had that terrible anxiety journey for um, so long, but you know, do you think that doing all that traveling and having those experiences like, you know, kind of made you realize like who you are and what you want and what what you are? Well, and just to further ask this, like, like bouncing off Lauren's question, did experiencing all those cultures and stuff kind of really, I guess, 
influence that seeing how women are in all these cultures and people are of course and if to think about it so i was when I, um i was in boarding school in india when i was like 16 to 18 and there it's it's when you think about when you're 16 to 18 it's kind of your own you know maturity blossoming you're becoming a little bit adult you're figuring out okay who am i apart from everybody else and so in india you know sexuality and sensuality is taboo it's not talked about so that really influenced me because uh, i don't know if any of you have been to india but the men no. love to stare there, okay? And it's not that they do it out of evil, but they're, it's a fascination. And so I felt then uncomfortable. And so I just covered myself. So there was a layer of shame that came about that. So I definitely felt that influence that I then had to look at. Why was it not okay to be exuberant uh, in, who I, in who I am? Um, and then when I moved to London was the first time I was in, uh, I was like a white person in a white country, although, although I was always the expat. And I was like, wow, where do I fit in here? So I can say the theme of belonging has been a really big one in my life because even though I was born in Thailand, I'm not Thai. I grew up in Nepal, is Nepal home, but I'm not Nepali. And so I think all of us really want to belong. We want to feel like we belong part of the community. We want to, be, we want to belong to someone in the sense of being, being loved by someone. Uh, and so that was a big part of my own searching growing up is like, I also lived in Hong Kong for five years and I'm like, am I like materialistic? like that no so i had all these questions percolating underneath and and of course when you when you're thinking of this then you're like searching and you're like okay who am i and how do i fit in how do i belong who do i want to be and one thing i really want to mention about you know let's say the you know generalization between east and west in the east they being is so much more appreciated whereas in the west doing is appreciated okay so it's like set goals, uh, go for it, life is fast paced. Whereas in the East, much more like even here in Bali, which is a Hindu based culture, it's they make offerings three times a day to the spirits and to the guides. Whereas in the West, we, we have forgotten that. We can say it's coming back now. People realize it's so much more about being and there's something greater than us. But that was a big differentiation that I felt moving around so much also. Wow. Okay. How have you had time to live yes. in these places? You don't look That's old insane. enough to have lived in like yeah. 10 different countries. And and like good chunks of time. It's not like you were there for a month, like years, but okay, that's crazy. Um, so also I like how you say that the East is, let's get it straight. The East is offering and then the West is doing. I said being, right? So they're, oh, they're, sorry, they're, being. they're much it's much easier in, in the East for them to like, you know, I always say this, it's like when you go to India, you'll see people just sitting on the side of the road and they're kind of just chilling out there. And now, okay, now I'm talking like 10 years ago, but now mobile phones have taken over and now everyone's face is in the screen, okay? And that's everywhere in the world. That's and everywhere, yeah. <laughs> but before that, I used to just look and be, and they're just chilling and they're just hanging out. Whereas in the West, you don't really see that. People are always on the go. The only place I can really think mm -hmm. of is maybe like Greece or somewhere like where it's like a, or Sardinia, where it's a slower mm -hmm. paced life. But if you think of New York or London or any of the cities, people don't have time to just sit and have a coffee for hours on end and contemplate life, no. They gotta go to their job and make we their wish. money so they can have their house and pay their mortgage and go, 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 That's go. That's my life. Yeah, I'm back at and it tomorrow. Yeah, it's our life. Yeah, all, all of those things are exactly what I do every day is work, raise. Yeah, for, like, we work for the weekends. We do, no, exactly. Like, it, it's, it's crazy when you think about it. Like, we work hard all day long, all day, 
And then the payoff is just so minimal. Although they did say that they're going trying to be bringing in the three day weekends here, which I don't know how it is in Bali, but it probably is similar, more similar to that than like five day work and two day weekends. <laughs> I assume. I love that they're gonna bring in the three day weekends. Go, you guys! Oh, yeah, that would be a no, dream. I just really want you to. Yeah, consider like I've designed my life because I have lived in so many places that I saw how I didn't want to live my life. And so I was like, okay, how can I create a lifestyle where I have spaciousness in it? And that spaciousness allowing receiving is very much part of the feminine, whereas go, 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 goal setting competition is very masculine. And I knew when I lived in London, that's where I had my panic attack. And I just realized this isn't for me. This isn't for me. I'm actually more Asian at heart. And so now I live in Asia. Both my parents live in Asia. And so I've designed my lifestyle where I'm totally free to do what I want to do and of course I still work of course I still coach of course I still show up but I get to decide my schedule and so for me I don't have a weekend like I work Saturday and Sunday because I took Tuesday to Thursday off because it was my best friend's birthday and so I want you to think about what kind of lifestyle would I like to create and how can I support that and it just starts with little things right maybe Monday morning you don't rush straight into work but you give yourself some time to sit with yourself maybe journal a little bit Mm -hmm. uh, you know wake up mindfully instead of be like ah it's monday i haven't done all these things right and the alarm bells start going off in your brain oh my god us in 12 hours that is yeah that's (laughs) exactly what you explained is exactly what i do want i want to be able to take tuesday to thursday off not just you know do everything on a weekend or spend any time celebrating because I would love that. And I do, you know, I you, I know it exists. I know people do it. Um, but it does seem very, very, I hate to say almost impossible to achieve. Yes, it does. Coming from like a Western perspective, I'm going to tell you I feel the exact same way as Lauren. It feels like what you have, like, I don't even know how you make money. Like, I don't even know how it works. Like, it feels like you're on vacation and like, no, we have to work here. We have to <laughs> grind. Well, so I want to talk about emotions and feelings because it's very much everything we want in life is because we want to feel a certain way. And that's usually feeling great, feeling better. And so you have to think about, okay, what do I want? So material things included, but I want them because I'm going to feel which way. Okay. So you can kind of break it down this way. So let's say you want, you know, the new Mercedes or the Porsche car. Like, so when I have that, how do I think I'm going to feel? Right, so you can journal on this and then you can do, well, I don't need that Porsche car in order to feel that way. I can feel that way now. So what can I do to feel that way now? So maybe you're going to feel like luxurious when you have that car. You're going to feel like status. You're going to feel all these things. So you're like, okay, if I want to feel luxurious and I want to have status, what are the smaller things I can do now to feel that way? And this, if you continue this kind of cyclical loop of being like, I want that because I want to feel a certain way. I want to feel that way now. What can I do? And you continue. That's how I how I build my life, literally. And it's wow. small action steps. It's like one little step at a time towards building what you do want. It's so like, I mean, we always say this on the show with a lot of our guests because we have experts like yourself come on and they break something down. And it's just a simple explanation. But it the, the actual act of it or like even understanding mm-hmm. it is monumental. But when you mm-hmm. say like, oh, you know, you don't have to have the Porsche to feel a certain way. I definitely get that because unfortunately in Western culture, 
so much of our emotions and our feelings are tied to something materialistic. It is so much keeping up with the Joneses type mentality where it's like, well, I need a house. Okay, now I need a bigger house because they got a bigger house. Oh, now I need a nicer car because they got to get a car. And that won't make me look good or feel good if I'm lesser than this person next door. And it's it's just like this never ending cycle. And even as you say it, like when I say it, you can sense the like, you know, getting all worked up and almost like the anxiousness and the, yeah, just like the, ugh, the energy that comes out. It's like the panic behind exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, I, how do, how do you scale that back? How do we step back and like, you know, I feel like it's more than just writing in a journal. Like, how do we figure it out and get there? Like, I'm ready to move to Bali right. already, so. <laughs> is that the key? Because we'll just do we'll that. We'll do that. <laughs> so, this is a perfect segue into talking a little bit about also inner child things, but that ultimately, what you just des- described is the modern pandemic of not enoughness. And if you really think about it, it's the core wounding of I am not enough. That's I am true. not enough, so I'm going to, you know, put all these things that I think are going to make me enough so that I feel better about myself. And so we have this modern (laughs) disease, which is I am not enough. And so here's a great journaling question. I want you to list all the ways you think that you're not enough. Am I not smart enough? And am I not skinny enough? Am I not pretty enough? You know, am I not rich enough, right? And then then you just see, so those are belief systems that you created. I am not enough is a belief that you have. And so with any one of your beliefs, it comes from a past experience. And so the majority, the foundation of the work I really do is looking at inner child. Um, So experiences in your past, generally they come from your childhood uh, because this is the first time the brain experienced a painful experience or something that uh, caused trauma or loss. Any form of trauma is actually a form of loss, okay? And that's where we have to grieve through it. So when you're children, you are forming your identity, particularly between ages zero to seven. And this is where if you don't have nurturing parents who who create a safety bond with you that you're not going to trust people then you're going to fear rejection if you had like a parent that was emotionally unavailable ultimately there's something like 21 physical and emotional needs that children need when they're growing up now not one parent can give all those needs so even if you had the most amazing childhood you're gonna have internalized something along the lines of I'm not good enough, I'm not enough, I can't speak my truth, Uh, I can't wear this, I'm not right, whatever it is. So have a look, here's a great thing to do. Look at all your beliefs, because a thought you keep thinking creates a belief. We have multiple beliefs in our reality um, and that forms a belief system. And our belief system informs our actions, the actions we take in life and the actions we take in life creates the environment we see. So if you wanna, change the environment around you, you have to go back to your thought and and then look at where did I first form that thought? And that's where I always go back to childhood. What was your childhood experience like? What was the relationship to your dad or primary caretaker? What was the relationship to your mom? What was your siblings like? And then also into schooling area, were you bullied, were you teased? Were you, that's all of these things start right building up in your system and then you go and you do inner child integration where you talk to your inner child and your inner child is nothing but a younger version of yourself who is crying for attention and wants to be validated in her needs. 
And so you just give it to your to her as your adult self. Aww. And you can do that through talking to her, through writing a letter to her, and just telling her that our foundational fear is that we're not going to be loved. Okay, that is our foundational fear. And that not being enough, you know, is just on top of that. I'm not enough, so I'm not going to get loved. And so talk to your inner child, tell her it's okay, you're never going to abandon her because the fact is you never will. You are always going to be with you. And so wow. this is the foundational exercise I really, I really do with all of my clients. And this is like, if you think you're not enough, think about when, when's the first instance that you had that experience, that painful experience inside of you that you weren't enough. Do you think that every single person has this? Is this what you're saying? Are you asking whether every single person has the not enoughness or an inner child? No, no, I think we all have an inner child, but does everyone, do you think every person does not feel enough? I think to a certain extent, yes. A lot of us also have, I am too much. (laughs) Of course. Right? Uh, So when you go back to your childhood, you know, did your parents always say, oh, be quiet, stop speaking, go to your room. It's not okay to be that way, right? And then you might think that you're too much. So then you keep yourself, you hold yourself back because I'm too much if I dress this way or I'm too much if I actually speak what I want to say oh my god right that's like an insane dichotomy because I feel as you were speaking I'm trying to think of moments in my past my childhood and I can pinpoint uh times but I don't know if those were like the first time that I felt those feelings that would have contributed to either the not enough or the too much um but now I that you say the too much thing I'm like oh my god am I doing this to my own children right now by being like Shh, quiet calm down you're so loud you're so extra um because I have two young boys so I'm like okay <laughs> note to self stop doing that <laughs> but um I mean like I don't know I feel like there's just so many moments in your childhood that it would be so difficult yeah. to like pinpoint it. But yeah, and, and this is one of the big topics that we wanted to talk to you about because um, we've been we've had other people on the show, other experts that have mentioned like, you know, things stem from your childhood, pretty much what you deal with in your adult life is because of something in your childhood, but we haven't fully unpacked a lot of it. And specifically, um, what got our attention about your expertise and like um your social media account and everything was kind of the how the inner child issues or experiences relate to love life and like sabotaging which is one of the things you talk about a lot is like how to help your inner child so your adult person like adult personality stops sabotaging its own love life and relationships And then is that done by pinpointing it? Because like you said, Laura, I feel like I don't know how to pinpoint. I know I see a therapist. She tells me all the time it's from your childhood. And like I was just going to say to you, Laura, no matter what you say to your kid, they're always going to come out with something. So it's inevitable. (laughs) Don't worry too much. But I can't think of like those moments or or times, but I believe they're there. So like what do you say to people who want to know? Great. Well, I want you to think about your love life. And then I want you to think, well, what are your beliefs around your love life? Like, um, you know, if you're still single, let's say that you're like, um, there's no there, there's no man for me. Uh, I'm getting too old. Uh, time's running out. I only attract toxic men. Like those are all beliefs. Okay. Right. And so you can write down all your beliefs and then go back. Okay. So what happened? 
in my childhood or what happened in my teenage years or what just you can kind of go back in time you don't have to immediately go back to childhood but kind of go back okay so in high school i had a a relationship with you know um you know the the what do you call it, football player what do, what do you call it in canada that's why yeah. whatever you know <laughs> captain of the team and you know he was just a show off but he took me around and then you know we made out on the on the bleachers and then he and then he like didn't talk to me for the rest of the school year that creates a painful experience in the brain and the brain does everything it can to avoid painful experiences because the brain thinks a painful experience is a threat to survival and so this is a very 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 primal aspect of the brain and it's in the reptilian brain this happens we have a, a small area of the brain called the amygdala which the amygdala takes like less than a second like milliseconds to make a judgment of this if, is this a threat to survival or not and accordingly you will then uh, send out signals to release hormones so like fight or flight or you know rest or digest hormones and this is where the, this is where you then react so if you if you're having a fight with your partner and all of a sudden you're like just screaming at him and everything's coming out that's a reaction that's not you being conscious and aware because your amygdala just fired and all these thoughts are going and all these memories are popping up where all the other times that he did this and da 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 so what you can do is you can take three breaths calm yourself a little bit more down and this is in any situation where you notice that you're not in control of your reaction because instead of a reaction you want to be able to respond but the right. brain functions so quickly if it's in, in the reptilian area of the brain where it will just react okay and that's not being a conscious human that is just survival and fear mode yeah you're speaking right to both... me about this <laughs> <laughs> And this, this is very much in what happens in relationships also. And so the first step is look at your belief system. So if you're single or if you're in a partnership, uh, you know, you might be thinking if you're in a partnership that, um, you know, you might be so afraid that he's going to leave you. You might, you know, because maybe you had a, you had a dad who left in the past. And so that's a, a fear that's so deeply inbuilt and that turns you into an anxiously attached style, which means you're so needy and you're needing to validate that he really does love you or they really love you all the time. Okay. And so then you go need to look at when did you develop this neediness? Because as a conscious adult, you know that this is not the way, but you can't control it. Because again, it's coming from the reptilian brain, which is based on past memories, past experiences. First step, what are your beliefs? Then what's the experience that you can remember? And you might not be able to remember all of them, and that's totally fine, where this happened to you. And you chose to believe that this is the truth for you. Yeah, Jess, wow. where does your neediness come from? I'm still trying to think about it. <laughs> like, seriously, I told you, you're speaking right to me because, you know, so many professionals, all my professionals uh, say that I'm always in the fight or flight. And that's why I, I'm I'm I run hot. Right. I, I'm always reacting instead of responding. Clearly, that's not healthy. I sabotage. Right. Um, and I say that in air quotes, but it's really not an air quote type of thing. It's the truth. I sabotage. <laughs> um, so, but not right yeah, now. I guess that's a good way to, to say you're in a healthy long-term committed relationship right now so you've made some you yes. figured something out in your journey but no I still see it like all the time he's he is the most like calm guy that's why but I'm like around him and I mean that's not fun it's not fun for any of us right so I I still think I have a lot of work to do 
not healed. <laughs> so I just wanted to make a comment there. So uh, the, a healthy, conscious masculine man is very stable. Okay. And this he's grounded. He wants to provide. Yeah. He wants to space hold. That is what the, the healthy masculine man wants. The feminine is wilder by nature. And we have so many more emotional cycles we go through. We have, you know, our whole period moon cycle that we go through. And so in my partnership too, my man is like, the, the space holder, the container holder, he's grounded, he's stable. And I also fluctuate very well. Mm -hmm. Now, a trick that I use, it's not even a trick, how I show up in the relationship is I will name whatever I'm going through. And so when you name it, there's less of a claw in like charge hold on you. So I'm like, oh, I'm feeling very emotional now and I'm noticing that, okay? Or when you're feeling, I'm noticing that I'm getting a little bit frustrated and that something's triggering me. I will just name the emotions out loud because you have to understand what is true intimacy. True intimacy can only happen if you share what's going on in your inside world. Because right. otherwise, the other person is just making assumptions of how you're showing up. So unless you actually speak what's going on inside of you, they will never truly know. And this wow. is what I teach in conscious communication. So if you're in a relationship, start naming what's going on for you and they will start to be able to understand you better. They will never truly know you and you will never truly know another person unless they constantly share everything what's going in their mind and in their feelings in their body. But this is how you get to deeper layers of intimacy. Just be like, oh, I'm noticing that my heart is beating a lot faster. I'm noticing that I have an insecurity around this. I'm noticing that I actually really just want to cuddle you right now, but I feel like I can't because you said you wanted to work just literally naming it all what's going on inside you that's what's going to bring you so close so when you say naming oh. it you mean like just the way you explained it like i want to cuddle you right now but you said you didn't want to like you're actually vocalizing that or are you giving an each emotion like a different name like a specific name I would, I vocalize, but I also say, I always um, uh, just be like, are you available to listen right now? I always check in because they might not be available to listen, okay? And just be like, and I always say, I'm noticing first because it's never really about another person. Whatever is going on for you, it's never about them. We have certain values and when we get triggered or activated, it's because we believe our values are not being honored, okay? And that's what will then be like, oh, blame. There is no blame. It's always ourselves. It's because we have certain values and beliefs that are being headbutted against. And so we're like, no, but everyone has their own different values and beliefs. So it's, that's really personal responsibility. I know this for me right now that I would love to be supported and that would look like cuddling. However, I'm also noticing that I'm a little bit hesitant to speak this or, or I'm feeling a little bit vulnerable in, in sharing this with you right now because you mentioned to me earlier that you wanted to work and I really want to honor and respect you for working and I wanted you to let you know and to share with you that this is going on for me right now. Do you guys have like the healthiest fights ever? Yeah, <laughs> we, we, yeah we don't fight. I guess not. That's amazing. <laughs> that, that, yeah, I should have said discussions or like conversations that's and insane you have to understand because it's, it's 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 like an energetic charge and you you don't have to let that build up so when you can share at the very basic energetic charge then it opens and that's where the discussion is communication is laying it out this is what's going on okay wow. and then you can both as mature adults not as temper tantrum throwing children 
okay? Um, have this discussion and be able to support each other through it. And listen, you might have a request from your partner. I really request that can we cuddle at eight o'clock? And he might go, no, but there's a way you can go about it. He's like, I'm not available for that at eight o'clock. However, and then he kind of gives a compromise. He gives another way. I will be able, able to do it for five minutes now. Right. So it's ne there's never a direct no. It's always a redirection. So this right. is how you handle requests from each other also. And I, I, I call it a request It's it's or an ask. OK. And that comes from a place I really need this. And I talk a lot about how do you tune into your needs and desires and wants? Well, you know it. If you just think about, oh, I really what do I desire in life? What I desire from my partner? What do I really need? Well, we have certain needs like touch is a big need, right? Being validated is a big need in our life. Um, being listened to is a big need. And love is the biggest need of all. So think about it. How do you feel loved? How do you actually feel loved? I mean, okay, tons to like unpack there too. Uh, first of all, love it. <laughs> very tough pill to swallow that when you said, it's not the other person, it's yourself. So basically- it's always yourself. The way yeah. I think of that is like a term that's often used is projection, right? So, uh, and I've more recently tried to do that self-reflection where I'm going, is it really something that my partner or my friend or my children even are doing that bothers me? Or is it just something that bothers me and I'm putting it on them because I'm triggered by something? And when you say you have to be validated and things like that, that's what makes me think like, Yes, that is the truth. Like I'm just triggered and I don't know how to deal with that trigger. So I need to put it on somebody else. I need somebody else to take on that like that. I hate saying blame, but like that energy, I guess, for me. So then I can like kind of calm myself down and like have this reaction um, encounter because well yeah it seems like it's like the misery loves company type thing like you're feeling away so it's like okay i'm shooting it that way is that kind of what you mean yeah like i just i guess i don't really know how to swallow that pill entirely yet of lauren this is on you like you're feeling like this because of whatever belief system my value system like you said i think of it this way they're not obviously but I can't deal with it that you're different than what I have already decided in my brain. So now I have to freak out and like yell at you or I have to. <laughs> yeah. Well, cuz I don't that's how I've always dealt with things, right? Like if Same. I yeah. I'm I'm argumentative, um so I'm putting it back on the other person. Well, exactly. And this is how wars start, right? Is cuz we cannot accept no, no but this is true, right? We cannot accept that somebody has a different perspective than us. That is true. Uh, that's a hard, the hardest thing, because I'm always like, how can you not? Like, there's something wrong with you. And he's like, you know, Calm and Ian. I'm surprised he's not breaking down the door right now. He's like, it's, it's worse than this, guys. Trust me. <laughs> but he's. Uh, that's a really hard thing for me to do, because I'm like, I would do it this way. I. Why won't you? I expect you to do it that way. That's something that I have to, like get the fuck over I guess is the best way to say it well, I, both of you I think like go back to your childhood where where did you need it to be your way otherwise it you weren't safe like it really comes down to safety in your childhood it's like safety and survival where did you need it to be your way you know I, I, I work with a lot of women also who um had were caretakers at a very young age for the rest of their family uh, and so 
Oh my god, I was just about to say, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like, I didn't expect you to say that. And that just like, like really just opened (laughs) the door in my head because I not caretaker for my parents. um, But the responsibility fell on me because my parents worked evenings. So after school comes evening and they had to go to work. And I at a pretty young age, like 12, 13, took on a lot of responsibility. It was a the responsibility was put on me. I didn't ask for it um, out of necessity um, to care for my younger brother who was six years younger than me. And I did that for quite a few years. So that 100% has to be my starting point of when it had to be my way because my way was to keep him yeah. safe, right? Like, no, you can't just run out on the street in the nighttime. You're staying with me. Like, no, you can't just do this. You can't just be in the bath by yourself. Like, I had to become almost a, a pseudo mom when I was still yep, a child. there you go. And my parents don't fully get that though. Like, I mean, this is a other arm of a conversation, but like when I try <laughs> to say to my parents, like, yeah, like I had to care for Roar, our, my brother, like that was a lot. Like, I don't think you kind of like quite understand how that transformed me in, in lots of great ways, made me who I am, like responsible and, and calm and stayed like, you know, able to handle difficult situations, um, more mature than a lot of my friends, like earlier than they've matured. But in a lot of ways, I definitely feel like I lost out on just being a kid, a teenager experiences. So and it's hard to talk to them because they're just like, oh, you're you're blowing it out of proportion. Oh, it wasn't that bad. Oh, like I'm like, no, it was. (laughs) That's how I felt. But yeah, you see, you just had that realization of like, oh, yeah, I was a caretaker. So now you get super activated and triggered when things don't go your way because your brain, your reptilian brain is still in that childhood state of like, it has to be this way. Otherwise something's going to happen. Yeah. Wow. Damn. Wow. You're just like hitting all the nails on the head here, like diagnosing us. <laughs> She's like, obviously all are basic. But, <laughs> but I mean, I think, I think this conversation probably has triggered a lot of other people too, right? Yeah. Like we're obviously sure not the a lot only of people... people in our, yeah. our individual scenarios of what gets us going and why we react the way we react to situations. Like I, I, I know of other people that um, have sort of a similar caretake role too. And then I also know, like, I, I'm still curious to where Jess has come from because you had yeah, present not parents, a you weren't a caretaker, you had... Yeah, so I mean, it's interesting. I was wondering if it was more like I was really rebellious when I was younger, and I think that I was kind of like, well, it's my way or no way because I want it feels really fucking good to do what I want to do. So I'm wondering if it's more like that because I was really good, and then when I hit high school, I was really bad out of nowhere. Like, not out of nowhere, but like I found drinking and smoking weed and drugs, and I loved it. I loved being reckless. So I think I like felt feeling that that freeness and ran with it not good did you get punished uh yeah yeah for sure like especially when I was younger and I didn't I hid a lot of stuff um but Mm. I was the oldest so I kind of but my parents were like hippies too I don't know it's weird yes I did get punished but but your punishments were like probably grounded but then what did that really mean then they let up on the groundings yeah (laughs) yeah there's a lot to unpack. We're gonna have a separate conversation yeah, no. about your childhood here, Jess. Always. She's like, I'm seeing a lot of things going on yeah. here. One hour is never enough time with our guests. We 
we fall in love with every guest and like they always bring so much like amazing information that we we really do take into our personal lives outside of the show too because we learn and and that's what we hope our listeners get out of it too is like listen to Nora she's telling you how to deal with this listen and we are listening too <laughs> yeah and that's why we like having you on because we it's so relatable like we really feel like exactly what you're talking about we really feel why what you do isn't so important so that's we want to spread that out to as many people as possible for sure that was just a little side note Thank you. <laughs> uh, but you know we do have a little bit more time left so i think that we kind of wanted to cover some more of the things that you do like we want to talk to you about your book all right Yay! It's live on Amazon and it's called Confident, Sexy and Wildly Free. How to own your worth, ditch the self-doubt and not give a fuck what other people think of you. And I have to tell you the backstory with this book. I wrote it last year in five days. I sat down and it just came out of me. I just was, yeah, it was amazing. And this book is a, it's not a book, I call it a playbook because it's actually got journaling questions in it. It has little activities for you to do. I call that play work. It comes with meditations. It comes with uh, EFT, which is emotional freedom technique, tapping videos. And what I will say, it's like, are you ready to become the version of you you always dreamt of being? Because this is my personal story of how I overcame my nine years of chronic anxiety. And each chapter is a deep dive into different areas of your life that you can look at and to why you're stopping yourself ultimately being confident, sexy, and wildly free. Because what I realized is that I wasn't, I didn't feel safe. I didn't trust myself. I hadn't looked at my inner child. I didn't welcome my sensuality. I had, you know, shameful experiences in my sexuality. And so if you're really wanting to welcome in more of who you are as this like magnetic, embodied, mature, feminine woman, this is what I wrote in my book. It's like the how, how do you do that? And I'm so excited. I think, you know, I think everybody could benefit from some part of that book, right? Like even just when I think about Jess and I, and we're very different in a lot of ways in our lives and very similar too, but like, and we've talked a lot about this is like from a sexuality standpoint, Jess is extremely confident, always has been like, you know, not afraid to ask for what she wants, take what she wants, get what she wants in that department. And I, I'm always very, like, I've always really been, you know, like in awe of that and and over the past couple of years um especially doing this show I've started to like kind of learn how to do that myself and bring it into my life but where we differ is like just um you suffer from anxiety and I don't so I mean there's like where the anxiety portion may really speak to Jess and other people that deal with that whereas like the sexual the confidence of being sexual and your sexuality I still think I have lots to like learn and lots to go. And and when I say that and our listeners know, like I don't mean like I'm I'm feel shame. I just I don't know what it is. And maybe that comes from an inner child situation too. Um It's a caregiver thing where you weren't always asking what for what you wanted, I think, as much. Yeah, it was a misunderstanding of like how a sexual relationship really works and the dynamic based on what you see in movies and society and just like in general is that women are secondary right in the bedroom um until I learned that I wasn't and um but then learning that and applying that to your life are two very different things right and that takes time to like 
for well I guess for someone like me to get to that level of feeling like confident enough to be like no no, no. I mm-hmm. come literally and figuratively first <laughs> yes yes, yes. for that <laughs> yeah so I'm de- we're excited and, um, to get the book and like read it and I hope our listeners pick it up too because it just really sounds like there's so many areas of the book that will really that could help people or answer questions that they have for themselves yeah from all like backgrounds yeah I talk about belief I, I talk about belief systems I talk about inner child I talk about pleasure I talk about sensuality I talk about femininity and then I talk about confidence and really owning who you are that's kind of what makes up the book because that's the journey I had to go on in my you know nine years of anxiety I guess I, in the book do you kind of break it down like who you are as a person and then your sexuality as well or like is it separated that way if you know what I mean <laughs> so there's eight chapters and and the eight chapters let me just go to the, the chapters here is, is literally and this is actually how I wrote the book I like outlined the eight chapters <laughs> and then I sat down and every day I wrote two chapters <laughs> wow and so there's what do you chapter one is what do you want right so really looking at what do you want in life what do you want in, in terms of for yourself and who you want to be. And chapter two is our needy inner children. So really, it starts off with going back to looking at what, what were our unmet needs as child, because it forms who we are as adults. And then it talks about loving yourself. How do you truly love yourself? Because how you love you teaches everyone around you how to love you. So how do you love yourself, though? Like, how do you truly love yourself? In the book. I feel like, that people, <laughs> I feel like people say that. Well, I know. Give me a um, Cole's notes on it if you can. Because I feel like you hear that a lot. Self-care movement is really huge right now. And, you know, you love yourself first. And show yourself, you know, grace and love and care. But, like... That's beyond just like getting in the bath with some nice candles or like looking in the mirror and giving affirmation. Like I, I'm, I'm not, I'm truly asking because I feel like other people probably, they hear it, but what does that really mean? How do you know that you truly love yourself? Or don't. Yeah. Or you, or you don't. Well, I think if you, if you're very hard on yourself, if you've got, and I call it the negative itty shitty bitty committee, which is your inner <laughs> I critic. I love that. Um, <laughs> And your inner critic is a formation of all the outside voices growing up. That's who your inner critic is. And you will never be enough for your inner critic. Okay. Uh, and so there's a, I talk a little bit about the inner critic in the book, but there's, in my second book, I'm going to do much more about that. Um, but for me, what the biggest thing I learned through my nine years of chronic anxiety was self-compassion because I was so hard on myself. Why wasn't I normal? Why couldn't I go out? why 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 me right i was so hard on myself and then i did a lot of counseling while i was still living in india with this and and this lady was just like nora just have some self-compassion and she taught me to ask for what i needed in terms of support so i had to go to the bank atm and um to give her money for the counseling sessions and i couldn't i talk about this in my book the whole story i couldn't and she's like why not nora and she's just like you know, I'm too anxious. There's anxiety, like something's going to happen. And she just said, so ask for help. And I'm like, no. And she's like, well, I need to be paid. And she's like, just ask your taxi driver to come into the bank with you. And I'm thinking, looking at her, I'm like, I can't do that. And this is in India. And I did. I just said, can you come? And I didn't explain why. I was just like, can you come inside with me? And he was like, okay. 
and then I got money out and I could pay her. And, her, and that felt like such a big accomplishment. Wow. And the other story I tell was when I was in Cape Town, when I was living in Cape Town and had anxiety, my partner at that time would go out and do his work and I'd be at home alone. And I'd be like, you know, having house fever and thinking I just need to get out of this house, but I had so much anxiety that I couldn't. So what I started to do is like, went outside the door and I just stood there and I had anxiety. Then I went back inside. Then the next day I took one step further. So having that level of compassion until like a month later, I could finally sit in the coffee shop. I mean, I went to this coffee shop. I was at the door and then I ran away. I sat there, I ordered something, freaked the fuck out. And then I went back home, right? Until finally I could sit there and I was comfortable enough to actually drink my coffee in there. I, I didn't drink coffee for 10 years because it was bringing my anxiety. I drank yeah. tea uh, or uh, in, in Cape Town, they do rooibos, right? The red yeah. bush tea. So, and that's not um, but like little stories like self-compassion and I always say to my clients you are so much more amazing than you think you are because you're just being really hard on yourself and so I always tell my clients just to wake up in the morning and do self-appreciation and when you go to bed at night self-appreciation because gratitude is external I'm grateful for my house I'm grateful for my husband I'm grateful for xyz but that's external so appreciation and self-appreciation is internal and it can be as little as I'm just appreciating that I got out of bed today. I'm appreciating that, you know, I tied my hair up and it's those little things and those stack upon each other. And definitely, how do you know if you love yourself or you don't love yourself? How mean are you to yourself? Because what I learned of being nine years so horribly mean to myself was it wasn't making me happy. And so then I was able to turn that into self loving kindness, self compassion. And there's a great, Buddhist meditation called metta meditation, which is a loving kindness meditation. And you actually do it for your enemies. You do it for the people that you don't like. But can you take that and turn it in, in, inwards and for yourself? Because if you're truly hating on yourself, you kind of are your own worst enemy. Wow. That makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm only hard on myself in one area in my life, I think. Um, otherwise, I do recognize like my accomplishments and, and my areas of strength and you know, I have days where I'm like, I'm the worst mother ever. But then mo that's very rare. But most times I, I feel good about being a mom. I feel good about being a wife. My area, which I'll have to, after this chat, go and really pinpoint the um, moment in time when this probably got triggered. But um, it's just body, body shame. Very lack, I lack in body love. Um, I, I appreciate my body for what it can do. And like, it's strong and it gave me children and things like that but I have a very hard time separating the unrealistic beauty standards that are set out in western culture and society um from myself like I'm always sort of striving even though I know it's unrealistic even though I'm a very rational you know intelligent adult I still strive for this sort of perfection mm. so yeah you know, after this podcast, just think about what happened in the past where where you tease, you know, I deal with a lot of clients who were like severely bullied for their weight in, in, let's say, you know, middle school, high school, and they were just, they just wanted to fit in, they just wanted to belong. And they, in that, they were like pushed outside and that created such an internal uh, turmoil tension for them because they just wanted, we all want to fit in, we all want to be loved, we all want to belong. Um, and so 
the other thing I wanted to just mention quickly is um, what really helped me in my personal anxiety journey was NLP, neuro linguistic programming. And you see a lot of NLP for sales techniques and techniques and things like this. But the my coach was actually from India and I did a year and a half of personal coaching with her before I flew to India to go and train with her. And what I really learned around her style of doing neuro linguistic programming, which is the language the brain uses to talk to itself was embodied feeling of how you want to feel so when you say you know i don't really know how to love myself or love my, my my body so you might be feeling body shame you might be feeling body hatred so then using nlp what i do with my clients i'm like okay what would it feel like to actually love your body and then we create a new neurological pathway in the brain which you can then trigger by doing a certain body movement like you know snapping your fingers and it will automatically shoot down that new neurological pathway in your brain so it doesn't go down the old one okay it doesn't go down the i don't like my body and the brain works on you know previous experiences that's just how it functions and so let's create a new experience and then you keep triggering and it's called trigger because it's like you're pressing the point it's an anchor point and you keep doing that over and over and over again so the brain then doesn't give as much energy to the old neurological highway so then it will fade away and then you'll become that new thought pattern. Oh, so it's like crazy. an actual physical action along with the mental thought. So if I'm like starting yeah. to think like, oh, I don't like my stomach, I start, I snap for yeah. instance. And that yeah. is yeah. like a retraining. Like you have to have the physical yeah. action to change that. You literally snap yourself it out helps. of it. It really helps to have. But then do you, yeah. do you correct it right away by saying like, I have a beautiful body or whatever? Yeah, so you can you can then decide what you want to believe in, right? So around around body issues, what I talk to my clients about is really like you have to understand that your body is doing absolutely everything it can to keep you alive every single moment of the day. And when you really think about it like that, how can you not appreciate your body and what it's doing it's for miraculous. you? Right? It is like every it is just keeping you alive. It's doing everything it can. You don't even have to think about the majority of the things it is doing to keep you alive. So I just drop them back into that awareness and be like, wow, thanks body. Okay, just a little bit of gratitude, self-appreciation there. And then really looking at experiences in the past, unraveling the belief systems that you created from the past. And then on top of that, creating some new neurological pathways according to how you do want to feel for this example, you know, around your body. I feel like even that goes full circle to back to um, the sort of the projection thing because my body is, like you said, doing everything it can do is to keep me alive. Just like it's just working. But I am putting things that maybe don't make my body optimal. Maybe that is like continuing with what I would consider, you know, excess fat or something. I'm I'm putting the things into my body. So at the end of the day, it's the same thing as like projecting onto your partner of like the things that you are triggered by or upset by I am doing it to myself like I'm blaming my body for what I'm for doing what you like, did to oh, it yeah like oh well like god damn it I wish my stomach like you know was a little smaller a little slimmer okay well maybe I didn't need to eat like half a pizza last night and I and I'm not you know I don't want this to be triggering for any of our listeners that maybe have food or diet or like um you know eating disorder issues I, I recognize eating half a pizza doesn't make you gain like 10 pounds. But if you do that a lot and you don't exercise, like 
No, I think your That's point just kind is of just like, like how it happens. You can't. You're not backing up like what you're uh, trying to achieve here by acting exactly. that way. Exactly. Exactly. I was just going to mention anything in life, you're going to be able to achieve whatever you want, and it's simply consistency. It is simply consistency. That is the key. Showing up on social media, consistency, and that doesn't mean you have to post every single day on social media. No. Choose once a week, choose three times a day. Same thing, exercise, consistently exercise. It doesn't matter if you want to do weight training or you want to go for a walk or you want to do soul cycle, whatever it is. It's that you keep doing it throughout. And it's choosing something which makes you feel good in the end. We, we like to do things where we're like punishing ourselves, okay? No, that means you're not going to do it. It's not going to, it's not going to be sustainable. Right. So whether that's, you know, I eat pizza all the time. I love pizza, okay? But I'm so kind and self-compassionate to myself when I eat the pizza. I don't hate on myself because why would I order pizza and then hate on myself? Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, I freaking enjoy the pizza. I'm like, give me some more cheese on top yeah. of that. I'm going <laughs> to indulge in that in this moment, okay? Then at the same time, I listen to my body when it's like, Nora, it's craving greens. I'm like, cool, let's have a salad now. So I'm very self-compassionate in my wants, needs, and desires. And at the same time, I do exercise consistently, but I don't necessarily do hardcore exercise all the time. And at the same time, you know, I, I don't journal every single day anymore, but I do realize when it's like, okay, I do actually want to journal today. Let me create the space and the time for it. And I do have a consistent morning practice, but I don't, I'm not so hard on myself that if I didn't do it in the morning, that, oh my God, I'm going to punish myself. Right. That's that's a big word is punishment. Yeah. And it, you know, when you think of punishment, you think like getting, you know, beat kind of, or like there's like a physical element, but really the punishment is much more mental. And I think well, it's women the, it's still struggle abuse. so much. Yeah. You're mentally like, abusing yourself by not being compassionate by punishing yourself. That is still not, not good, not productive. Yeah. I mean, it's like listening to you again, it make it sounds so easy and simple, but obviously you've gone through years of retraining reprogramming reconditioning yourself based on because of your experiences and I don't know like I I think that I could do it too I just need to like allow myself those opportunities and start trying to yeah like because I am the person that's like oh if I eat a couple slices of pizza I'm like I probably shouldn't have eaten that like what is that doing to my diet this week and I know that I'm not supposed to do that and it's okay and that's not going to change my body but it's just this sort of like we're just conditioned to think like that because of all the things we see. And it's it is very hard to practice real self-compassion and self-love. And because of it, like you just always feel that guilt or that somebody's judging. It's, you know, and, and that's like going back to your book, like I need it so I can kind of have this sort of like guide here to just be like open the book open Nora's book and understand how to get back on track and stop being a bitch to yourself that's the thing well two things there you like the way we speak to ourselves I know for a fact I would never even think to say these things to my friends because I don't feel that way about them at all like I would never talk shit to them the way I talk shit to myself which is insane um, but I think the other thing to that is at least now like the positive way to look at all this is we have like the steps we have like the the life jacket or whatever the hell the sayings are I suck at sayings but we have an action plan because we can start um because we have you because we have you Nora like you're stuck with us now (laughs) but no your book will certainly help and like I can't wait to get a copy of it 
Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, we we touched on a lot of different things during this conversation. And as we mentioned before, it's so hard to like get deep into one topic in just a quick hour. Um, But I do want the book and I hope that like our listeners will get one too because, you know, there's a lot of self-help books out there. But when you write coming from an experience, like sharing your experience, your journey, like knowing that you struggled so heavily with a really serious like condition and like are you free and clear of like chronic anxiety or anxiety at all because of all the things that you've done I would never listen the the fear of the anxiety coming back is always there but now I know how to handle it I've got the tool sets I know how to create the support for myself I know how to set myself up for success and that's, that's what the, 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 you know, we're always going to have random mean thoughts to ourselves, but it's then understanding how do you handle it and how do you want to move forward from it? And that's really my biggest learning and teaching and what I write in this book. It's like, I want to teach you the, the tool sets, which worked for me, which I have been coaching women for two years on now that I know work so that you can feel like, okay, when something happens, because what is confidence? Confidence is the belief in yourself that you'll be okay no matter what. That's what confidence is. So underneath that, let's you know prep you up with all the tools and all the, the practices and all these things that you can do so that you'll be like, hey, I totally got this. I totally got being me and I totally got my life. I love that so much. So wh- tell everyone where they can get your book and where they can learn this information for themselves. And find you. Yeah. And find me, yeah. So come find me on Instagram. I'm big on Instagram. I love it there. So it's at Nora Wendell. It's my full name. And my book's available on Amazon. You can just type in Nora Wendell or Confident Sexy Wildly Free. Um, And then I have my website, which is norawendell.com. But honestly, I'd love it if you just slid into my DMs and and sent me a voice note being like, hey, heard you on the podcast. And I'll like reply back because it's I love that. I'm all about community building. That's amazing. amazing. Uh, that's yeah I love that you're all about the DM slides Um, so as always our listeners can find us at herspective underscore podcast and on Instagram and Nora this was amazing like I I have two computers in front of me right now long story but I'm like looking at one being like okay I'm just gonna type in Amazon and yeah. get myself that book. <laughs> like, I, I need it now. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Like, thank you so much for being here with us. I, I know, took it upon myself to have my own little private session here today, but I really do appreciate <laughs> everything that we discussed. And I'm sure other people listening feel the same. I know Lauren does too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, you know, hopefully one day maybe Jess and I can make it out to Bali and, uh, come for a visit you're the first person we'll call yes yes we will yes 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 come that is over that here. is definitely on the bucket list well anyway, actually so. i'm heading to thailand as soon as we possibly can but probably in april at this point um and mm. it's so interesting that you said that you were boring there so i'm sure we have we can talk later about all the amazing places to go <laughs> jess will slide into your dms yeah. to chat yeah. uh, You're like hey yes <laughs> thanks so much ladies it was an absolute pleasure to just yeah share what i love and share what i know and just have you ask me questions and yeah be in your company thank you thank you you for taking the time and uh we're you know connected permanently now so we will see you on instagram land yes (laughs) thanks bye ladies thank you Bye, bye bye